Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. Isham invites you to log on, listen, and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome, Isham Nation, to the Process This podcast. This is episode number 11. Thanks for tuning into the show. Our guest speaker today is Natalie Lynn discussing how to manage change in sterile processing, an important component in any sterile processing department. Great information for all sterile processing professionals. But before we talk to her, we have the segment What's on My Mind and Mailbox Mania. So let's get started with What's on My Mind. So recently I was browsing around the Isham website and I came across a useful tool that I'd kind of forgotten about. I'm talking about the online buyer guide that Isham has put together that offers a convenient place for sterile processing professionals to access different vendors and supply companies that all service sterile processing. Isham does not endorse guarantee any company product program claim or technique listed in the online buyer guide. So great, thanks for that. And moving on, now the buyer guide is accessible to anyone who visits the webpage, not just our members. To access this information, simply go to isham.org. Once you're there, click on the resource drop-down tab, which is located on the top right-hand side of the home page. Once there, scroll down and select the online buyer guide, and congratulations, you're there. Now the buyer guide is broken down into several different categories, to make finding what you're looking for a little simpler. Now the categories listed in the guide are administrative, instrumentation, quality assurance, equipment, packing, storage, transport, all one category, and the last one is supplies. Now for me, this is a great tool, especially for new leaders, new technicians, or simply anyone who may not be familiar with the different vendors out there or supplies and services that are offered. Also, again, for me, this is a resource tool when I can't remember who made that quirky instrument that I can't find. Let's say that I'm looking for a vendor that supplies eye instruments. So what you do is you look under the buyer's guide and I'm gonna click on the instrument category that I talked about. And from there, uh, the categories are further broken down in an attempt to really narrow the search. So under the instruments, you have the subcategories, endoscope products and instruments, repair and refurbishing, robotic instruments, specialty instruments, and surgical instruments. So I'm looking for that I specialty instrument. So I'm going to go ahead and look on the specialty instrument subcategory. And what that does is it's going to bring up a list of about 11 different companies. Um, So as I scroll down, hey, success, there's a company named Katina Products. And in the description, it reads, Ophthalmic surgical instruments. Okay, good news. I I found what I'm looking for, I think. So now what I need to do is I'm going to click on that vendor and it's going to give me several options. You know, once I do that, uh, one, it's, it's going to give me a complete description of the services offered by the company. Great. So I'm looking for eye instruments and it's right there in the information. And two, the contact information via the address and the telephone number are listed for my convenience. Uh, Next, it's going to give me a direct link that's going to enable me 
to email the vendor with a click of a button that's already embedded in the page. So you don't have to do anything. Uh, if you want to email the vendor, you just click on the embedded button and it's going to set up your email directly. So you can also print the page. There's a button that's going to give you easy access for printing. And last, you can reach the vendor-specific website with another click of a button, also conveniently embedded in the page. So very user-friendly. Uh, it's easily accessible. So two thumbs up uh, for this buyer's guide. Now let's say that I'm looking for some detergents or enzymatic cleaners. So I'm going to go back to that initial categories under the buyer's guide and I'm going to select the category supplies. So from here we have another list of those subcategories which are going to include antimicrobial products, brushes slash sponges, decontamination supplies, detergents, disinfection and sterilization supplies, enzymatic cleaners, high-level disinfectants, lubricants, personal protective equipment, and pre-cleaners. So lots of categories, lots of different things to choose from. So I'm looking for that detergent and enzymatic. So I'm going to choose the subcategory enzymatic cleaners. And so from here, you know, I got a list of different companies. So what I'll do is I'm going to scroll down and I'm going to look, oh, looky, looky here, Sertol International. So in the description, it says that they're from Colorado. It just so happens that I live in the colorful Colorado. So let's check them out. Let's see what they have. And it looks like they supply both of my needs, both the detergent and the enzymatic solutions that I was looking for. So again, uh, from here, I can access their uh, specific web page. I can email them directly to ask for more information. So again, a great source. Uh, to recap, this is a great tool. It's out there for anyone to access. Uh, the online buyer's guide, it can help you find things from different equipment, uh, different vendors, instrument repair, refurbished companies, whatever you're looking for, there, there's probably something out there for you. So next time you have a minute, check it out or really keep in the back of your mind. The next time you're looking for a specific item or company, you know, check out that buyer's guide to help uh, as a resource for you. So that's going to wrap up this segment of What's On My Mind. This week in Mailbox Mania, we are reviewing the March-April 2020 process publication by Isham. The first article we are looking at today is the Hot Topic column. This article is titled, Don't Get Burned by Bad Instrument Maintenance and Repair Practices. Now, sterile processing professionals know all too well the ramifications of having broken, poorly maintained, or otherwise malfunctioning instruments and equipment in their inventories, and even more problematic, in the trays sent to procedure areas for patient use. They also are likely well-versed in the need for proactive instrument maintenance and repair. However, some departments and facilities may still lack a solid understanding of what that entails, and the outcomes can be costly, in some cases downright dangerous. Experts agree that when it comes to keeping devices and equipment in that tip-top shape, facilities face numerous challenges including subpar preventive maintenance contracts, 
poor relationships with their vendor partners, insufficient instrument inventories, which leads to overuse, premature damage, and replacement, insufficient training and improper point-of-use instrument care, inadequate or improper device testing and inspection, and letting budgets dictate preventive maintenance practices in a misguided effort to curb cost. Now the article goes on to say that successful instrument maintenance and repair programs require a strong relationship between repair vendors and healthcare facilities and a commitment to excellence and accountability on both ends. Now it also says that the first step towards keeping instruments functioning properly and safer use is ensuring that the repair and maintenance partners are properly trained, well-skilled across a wide range of instruments and equipment, and are committed to serving as a true partner for the facility. Now, something else that I like about this article is it goes on to list some of the biggest errors that can lead to extensive and excessive repairs and premature replacement. Now, some of these errors are improper isolation and mobilization of instruments and devices, which is described as using incorrect or wrong containers that will not protect the items, storing or placing items in wrong location, and improperly handling devices and instruments while in transport to and from those procedure rooms. You know, these are all common mistakes that contribute to costly repairs and premature replacement. Next, it lists that reckless care and handling of instruments is another big issue. Proper point-of-use care and post-procedural case cart loading, proper storage, and proper tray transport practices are all important and necessary actions that can help reduce the number of repairs. The next error is lack of inspection and testing. Limited or hurried staff members with reduced inspection and testing time and limited inventory are more likely to make a mistake. Lack of knowledge and training can also be detrimental. Inadequate inventories, quantity, and usage. There must be a balance between inventory and procedures. The right asset management program can help alleviate this issue. And then last, poor communication. A communication breakdown in any area, whether it's SPD, the OR, staff, surgeon, can cause many issues and negatively impact instrumentation. This is a great article, especially if you're looking or you're having issues with instrumentation and that relationship with your vendors. So check out this article, the hot topic, again, in the Process Magazine. And the last article we're going to look at uh, is titled, The Human Factors in Sterile Processing Department. Now, this is located in the Professional Perspective column in the Process Magazine. Now, this article says, The human body is comprised of many complicated parts and systems that must work together, and the same is true for sterile processing. For an SPD to be successful, efficient, and well-functioning, the various systems of the human body and the department must work together. So, some of these key systems include support and movement, which is bones and joints forming the framework and provides leverage, but they're not capable of moving themselves. You know, movement, such as walking or shaking one's head, rely on bones, joints, and muscle functioning together. It also lists out the control systems, 
So it says with the help of sensory organs, meaning the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and skin, and the endocrine system, you know, the body's control system and the nervous system is the control center of the human body. All of these send messages and coordinate and carry throughout the body. Maintenance systems. In order for the body to maintain the homeostasis, it depends on the cardiovascular system, the lymphatic, the respiratory systems, the integumentary systems, all working together. And then last, the reproductive system, which you can read about. This is a good article that reminds me of how important it is to keep our bodies in good working order. So a healthy lifestyle balanced with good nutritional choices and exercise can not only benefit you as a person, but could also be beneficial in the sterile processing department. So a great article, again, using that term homeostasis as a balance, you know, the balance within our body and our systems, and that balance within sterile processing to keep things functioning. Great article. Uh, look that up in the Process Magazine. And that's going to do it for this segment of Mailbox Mania. Our guest speaker today is the world-renowned Isham Education Director, Natalie Lynn. Welcome, Natalie. So today's topic is managing change. Natalie, you have a long career in sterile processing, what insights have you developed on change? Well, thanks for having me today, John. And I I don't know that I'm the expert on change, but you're right. I've had a long career and I've seen a lot of change. We could do a humorous podcast in the future, and I'll tell you how we used to do things back in the <laughs> old days. Uh, but we'll save that for another time. I think that change needs a new name because I think change is a constant. I don't think it's change anymore. It's just the way that we live our lives. Now, that's good. If you think about change and you think about the way it's impe- it's improved your life, and we've all got that cool phone that we carry in our pocket that does as much as a computer used to do, mm-hmm. and we've all got all these things that we're able to do now that we couldn't do just a few years ago. And it seems like when changes happen at home or in our personal lives, we kind of like that kind of change, the technology changes and things like that. But when they happen at work, you think it just hits us maybe in the wrong way. Sometimes we have to stop and think of how technology has improved our lives at home. I think of the conveniences I have now in my home that I didn't have when I was growing up and all the things that, that are there. So sometimes I have to think back and say, you know, the technology that is improving my life at home is also improving patient care. And new standards help us take better care of patients. New guidelines keep us safe. New regulations keep us safe and keep patients safe. They make everyone safer. So I think the thing that I have learned is that you are going to see change. So you have a choice. You can either take a positive approach or you can take a negative approach, but you cannot stop change from happening. I think we've all heard that phrase, we've always done it like this. (laughs) Why do you think people are so upset by change? I think it's because we all are creatures of habit. We all like to be comfortable in what we do. Nobody likes to have to learn something and master it and then have to unlearn that and learn something new. That learn, unlearn, relearn can be really stressful. It can add stress and we're busy. We don't have time at work to stop and change the way we do things, to look at a new instrument set or whatever. It makes us leave our comfort zone. 
I think it's easy to say we've always done it that way because it's, it's code for I already know how to do it that way. I don't really see. I mean, when I, I'm going back to our phones again, you know, if somebody had said to me back when I had a landline that was tethered to the wall, here, you can have this little computer that you carry and you can do FaceTime and you can do all these cool things with it. You can surf the internet. I just said the internet, what? But, you know, that was a cool thing to learn and it made life better. And so I think we have to get away from that. I'm glad back then I didn't say, I've always used a landline. I'm never going to use anything else. So again, it's that attitude that we have, but it makes us leave our comfort zone and who doesn't want to be comfortable? Sometimes it seems like change is just constant. You know, can you tell us some strategies uh, or can you give our listeners some strategies to really handle change? I can. And the first thing I want to say is understand it's out of your control. When you get called into a staff meeting and they say, we're going to get a new instrument system for total joints or they're installing a new piece of processing equipment in the department or whatever it happens to be, maybe it's a change in the standard. We all want to dig our heels into the ground like a, like a donkey that doesn't want to go any further. And just understand it's out of your control. They're going to make the change anyway. They're just letting you know. So take things in small pieces. Uh, a big change doesn't have to be a big change. Ask questions. You know, for example, okay, they're probably going to tell you, hey, we're, we'll use a piece of equipment. We're getting a new piece of processing equipment. We haven't had it in our department before, but we need it because we're processing complex instruments that need that type of piece of equipment. Okay, so take it for that. Okay, we have instruments that need to be processed, so we're getting the piece of equipment. And then start asking questions. When something is new, we're all beginners. And I think what happens, especially when you've been in the field a while, is you want to think you know it all. And we are all newbies when something is added to our system, whether it's equipment, instruments, or just a new technique. We're all newbies. And so it's okay to say, you know, hey, I've been at this 20 years, but I don't know this. I've never seen it before. I don't know about it. So I think accepting that. And then think about the outcome. Is it going to make things better? Probably. I am. I, I remember when my hospital went to a computerized surgical scheduling system. And before that, we had had a hand-type surgery schedule. And some of you will remember those. We were furious. That was in the days before they had computers in the house, where everybody had their own computer. So we were angry about it. I would not want to go into any system that didn't have a computer scheduling system now. <laughs> it is, I think, critical to doing a good job. So, you know, having accurate pref cards, having accurate uh, pick lists and count sheets and everything. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, understand it's coming. Ask questions. Don't be embarrassed. There's no question that's a stupid question when something is a new process. And just take it a piece at a time. You don't have to become an expert by the end of the in-service. Just learn and set your pace. So can you tell us about any resources that are available to really help us deal with change? You know, change is a hot topic in every industry. And so there's been a lot that's been written. There are a lot of videos. Um, there are a lot of, you know, you can go onto YouTube and find some really good videos on change. There are dozens, maybe hundreds of books on change. And I do want to share with you one that's one of my favorite, my favorites. And I think it's my favorite because it's really short. It's an easy read, but it tells such a story. Some of you may have read it before. It's a book that's called Who Moved My Cheese? And I'll tell you the story of that. It's by Spencer Johnson. And when I was teaching in the college system, we were on a quarter-based system. And one day they called us into a room and they said, 
we want all our credits to be transferable to the college and university system. So everything you've done, all the work that you have done to develop your courses needs to be changed to a semester-based system, which meant literally rewriting everything we had done to set up our programs. I don't even want to tell you the words that were said after that meeting. Oh, I bet. Our dean gave us all a copy of this book. And to add insult to injury, she handed us what we perceived was a children's book. So what more could you want? You get all this work piled on you. It's supposed to be your summer break. And you're going to write it over your summer break. And this book is, it's short. It's a fun read. It gives some good insights. And so I think if you want to have a book that your staff might look at, it's like 30 pages long, maybe a little more than that, but not much. But what it does is it, it kind of tells you, uh, and I'm not going to give the story of the book away, but essentially, yeah, it's about, you know, it's who moved my cheese. What do you think it's about? You know, it's about mice. It's about um, a maze where they're moving towards their goal. But like we find in life, it's never a straight shot from where you are to where you want to be. It's a maze, and you have to navigate how to get there. And people change it on you as you're moving. And so it talked about how you can't get stuck in the past, that you have to prepare for change, you have to react to that change, and you need to, I love this, it's a mouse phrase, scurry into action and learn to adapt so that you can keep moving through the maze, which is, it could be a relationship, it could be your job, it could be your career, your overall career. But I love it because it really gives us that feeling that, you know, things are going to change, things are going to move And in a very short time, you can see the whole moral of the story. So those those of you that are managers or dealing with a lot of change right now, pick up that book. It's probably available on Amazon and uh, share it with your staff because it's it's fun. It's a fun book with a real good story. Natalie, uh, as we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I do. I was very lucky. I just threw this in here, John. You know I was going to talk about this. But (laughs) last week, I had the opportunity to go out to lunch with a friend of mine from high school. We had not seen each other face-to-face. In fact, we'd been playing the Christmas card game for 20 years. And we got to sit down, and we got talking about change. First, we had that, that discussion of who's doing what, and, you know, some of the outcomes weren't good. (laughs) And we're like, really? Did she pass? But um, we talked about change. We talked about, you know, when you're in high school and you have those those plans and you think that they're just going to go exactly the way you planned them because that's what you want. And how both of us had had a very, very direct goal for what we wanted. We talked about how life had changed that and how we hadn't ended up where we wanted to be, but we agreed that we ended up in a much better place. And that's because as changes came, we adapted and we moved in the direction. Maybe we were both chasing our cheese. I don't know. But what we said is that, you know, change made life a better experience than what we, it gave us more than we'd asked for. So I guess maybe that's how we all need to look at change is that at the time it may seem a little upsetting, but overall it's going to make life better. Well, great. You know, it's always a pleasure to have you uh, sit down and talk with us, Natalie, especially about, you know, important topics like change. So thank you very much. Thank you, John.
Thank you, Natalie, for speaking with us today. I think sometimes in our busy SPD world, we tend to take topics like managing change for granted. But facilities who strive to manage change effectively really strive to achieve the best employee experience and I would expect have more satisfied staff members. Isham Nation, episode 11 is in the books. Thanks for listening to the show. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, fill out the required information, and select the code St. Patrick's Day. Again, the code for this episode is St. Patrick's Day. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, Isham Nation, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.